What's up, bosses? Welcome to the first ever BossCast. We're bringing all the information professional drivers need directly to your speakers. I'm one of your hosts, Carlin Stafford. And I'm Isela Cuarenta Rios. We'll cover a lot of ground on this podcast, diving deep into the issues and events that matter to you, the driver. We'll be doing everything from chatting with industry experts to sitting down with politicians and policymakers, and even hearing from real-life drivers. That's right, Isela. So without further ado, let's roll into this week's episode. You're listening to BossCast, an Opportunity Media Group production that raises awareness for our nation's professional drivers with news, information, and entertainment that cover all things trucking and the topics that affect you most. BossCast keeps you informed with the stories and the people and businesses behind the stories that move our economy. Enjoy the show. Isela, we've all seen those commercials that say, don't drive buzzed, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, some of those are kind of corny. They have things like talking billboards or my personal favorite, the one with a guy who thinks he hears a voice from above telling him to give up his keys and it's actually his friend on the karaoke machine. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of them are a bit ridiculous. Right, but others are serious, as they should be. I mean, it's a serious problem out there. According to the NTHSA, in 2018, there were more than 36,000 deadly crashes that involved a driver with alcohol in their system. That's a lot. It's about 29% of all deadly crashes that year. And that's just alcohol. The NTHSA doesn't have any information about other crashes caused by driving under the influence of other drugs. It is. And it goes to show how serious a problem it is. Thankfully, most truck drivers know how serious it is and don't risk it. The NTHSA says less than 3% of truck drivers involved in deadly crashes in 2018 had alcohol in their system, but the goal is zero. So that's where this week's topic comes in, the Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse. I'm sure most of you know what it is by now. It's been around for about a year. But for those who don't, basically, the Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse is a federal database that drivers with CDLs have to register in so officials and employers can see any drug and alcohol violations. Sounds pretty convenient, right? The program that has been in place uh, forever is that when someone hires a new driver, that they have to do a three-year background check on that person uh, to satisfy the regulations. And what that means is that the driver has to give them permission to contact all their previous employers for the past three years and find out if they've been compliant and if they've had any uh, drug or alcohol infractions, Mm -hmm. violations for them. And... You can imagine that's kind of a tedious chore, and a lot of times you can't get them. It might you know, delay you from hiring that person. And so what the FMCSA finally did, and they've been working on this for a while, as you can imagine, uh, is they said, okay, we can have everyone report to one facility, one clearinghouse. So everyone, the MROs, the substance abuse professionals, the SAPs, and the uh, CTPAs, the consortiums, will all report there, as well as the employers will also report there. 
And so when someone wants to hire a new driver, they just go and query the clearinghouse and it will automatically send back whether or not that person has a violation. And then you're done. That's Walter Ford, the president of Portland-based LabWorks, a drug testing consortium. He was excited for the change, but understands how having to deal with two different background checks for a while will be tedious. It's going to be easier. It's going to be faster. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone is a little uh, put off by the fact that they have to do both for three years. Mm -hmm. But it probably took them three years from the time that they began thinking about this to now. So it's moving at least. Mm -hmm. And as far as the advantages, uh, it's going to keep people from slipping through the cracks. So uh, either just not giving their old employer data, giving wrong employer data, or saying that, you know, uh, you can just call someone, here's an email and a phone number mm -hmm. for someone and it could be fraudulent. And so it really cuts out all of that guesswork as to whether or not that was the employer for the guy. Right. So it's really going to make it safer for everybody uh, as far as the having a, uh, a violator, drug and alcohol violator on the road and uh, just make it simpler and quicker for the whole uh, employer industry. LabWorks is one of many different drug testing companies that has had a busy year as more companies and drivers begin getting tested to submit to the clearinghouse. Right now, the test required by the FMCSA is urinalysis, you know, depositing in a cup. But right now, the administration is deciding on whether to require a test a lot of companies are already using for pre-employment drug testing, the hair follicle test. While it's considered the better and more accurate test, there are some issues that come along with it. One is expense. It's, it's a much more difficult process to do in the lab. Um, that's going to slow down the implementation on a broad scale. And there's a secondary issue. Um, hair follicle testing, the way it works when they collect the hair, they trim it down so they get roughly 90 days worth of growth. Mm -hmm. um, cut it into tiny pieces and then run it through the lab process. 90 days worth of history is, is it's going back a long ways, mm -hmm. and it's not really talking about your condition right now. And when you compare it to like an alcohol test, when they do a breath test, they know what, what is in your blood and how it affects your ability to function right now. Mm -hmm. But if you did drugs 90 days ago, should that be considered in your ability to function at your job today? That's the founder of LabWorks, Jim Kashaw. He's super knowledgeable about most drug testing, as he should be. He's the godfather of the company. As he points out, hair follicle testing is extremely detailed, but maybe a bit too much for the FMCSA's purposes. Well, um, you, can look, you can look at a lot more different chemicals in the body. Uh, it gives you a really good picture, but it gives you a really good picture of what your body has processed. Mm -hmm. So urine testing, um, all it's really looking at is what your body is flushing out right now. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more going on in your body other than what's being flushed out through your kidneys. So hair follicle testing gives you a, an accurate depiction of what everything, it, it can, you can determine what a person has eaten um, you, and all of the medications they've taken. You can look at potential diseases that are starting to affect the body early. So it really has its place in medical science, mm -hmm. but for forensic drug testing, um, it, it's, it's overkill.
Yeah. Unless they can get the methodology simplified so they can just look for a small window of time, but I haven't, I haven't heard anybody working in that direction. So what does he suggest instead? I think there are other forms of testing that will probably do a better job. And in my opinion, the one that will probably surface will be saliva testing. It's non-invasive. It's saliva is a lot more like blood. It's what your body is processing right now. Right. Um, and it's relatively cheap to do the lab test. So th there's a lot of work in that direction. And I think that's probably what we'll see replace the urine test. Kashaw isn't the only one who isn't a fan of hair follicle testing for the FMCSA's clearinghouse. Many carriers are against the proposal as it stands as well. Basically, their issue lies with the Department of Health and Human Services guidelines that a second test, either urine or saliva, must be taken if hair follicle testing comes back positive for drugs or alcohol. And as several have pointed out, what's the point of collecting less accurate test results to confirm what is considered the most accurate test results? Not to mention the cost of collecting, shipping, and then testing all of those differing things. Such a ruling would put an even bigger financial burden on companies that right now may be seeing slightly lower operating costs, but will soon have to face increases in insurance and fuel costs. Now we've talked about how the clearinghouse works, but we haven't talked about what happens if you fail a drug screening. There's a plan in place, and it's there to help you as the driver. So the driver gets referred to a substance abuse professional who has been trained by the USDOT and knows what their standards are. Uh, the driver meets with the substance abuse professional and that's the only person that can put them back on the road. So in that meeting, they'll decide the next course of action. And it can range from a slap on the wrist, which might mean you have to go to a couple of night classes and learn just how your ability to drive is affected by the drug you took or, or alcohol. Um, all the way through to the other end of the spectrum, which might mean you need to go to a drug rehab and you need it right away. And you're not gonna be able to drive until you've completed it. So that's the range. Once a driver has completed that to the satisfaction of that professional, um, then they take one more drug test and their, their ability to drive uh, is immediate after that drug test result is released. While the goal is not to fail the drug screening, if for some reason you do, maybe a little bit too much fun on the weekend, it's good to know that the process to get back on the road is easy, but don't make it a habit or you could have that CDL stripped from you for good. After they're allowed to start driving again, they get their own little personal random program that lasts anywhere from six to 12 months. Uh, actually, can go out 24 months. And during that period, they get random tested just to make sure that uh, they got the message. Also, if you did have too much fun on the weekend, don't be fooled by the fake products into thinking you can cheat a test. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, this program has been around for about a year now, and the FMCSA has seen a lot of success with it so far. In fact, the administration says they have had more than 40,000 positive tests through just September of this year. About 34,000 of those currently have the prohibited status, which means they haven't been told they can get back behind the wheel. Any guesses what drug was a dominating offender? You guys probably had a pretty good guess. Marijuana. Since several states have legalized it, albeit mostly for medical uses, it's not that surprising. But as Larry Miner, the associate member for policy at the FMCSA, says, quote, The bottom line for CDL holders is you can't use marijuana, even though you have states that allow people to use it on a recreational basis. 
However, if the drug is used for a medical reason, the substance abuse professional will reach out to see if that's really the case. So what's next? Well, it's been around a year, which means most employers are still going to have to use the old method to confirm up to three years of prior employment history. But we've seen so far this program is working. Also, we want to mention a deadline for you owner ops. If you haven't put your information into the clearinghouse, the deadline for you is January the 5th. So get tested and get your results registered to avoid those fines. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to the first ever BossCast. Like what you heard? Leave us a review. And why do we do this, Isela? Because you're the boss.